Hi, I'm Jordani Karma, and I've loved to read ever since I can remember. But somewhere between college and the real world, I miss the memo on what I could be reading as an adult. For years, I thought of adult fiction as this book secret that everyone was in on but me. I decided to change that by focusing on fiction for a year and choosing books based on a specific genre or theme for each month. This is season one, episode 10 of Reading Like an Adult, and we're going to talk about magical realism. I made a lot of different lists before I officially outlined the 12 months of my year of fiction. At first I thought I should read every genre of adult fiction, whether or not I was interested in it, but I quickly realized that would defeat the whole purpose of the reading year, which was to enjoy reading fiction again. So I chose 12 genres or themes that either called to me or shaped themselves thanks to various titles on my TBR list. Fantasy, science fiction, and romance were easily recognizable genres I wanted to explore, while women in cities and dystopian worlds were themes that I fashioned around reads on my list that I thought could be grouped together. Giving myself the flexibility of skipping genres that didn't appeal to me let me bypass horror for now, as well as historical fiction, which I just can't get myself to be interested in as an adult. If you would like to try a similar reading experiment, feel free to choose the genres that appeal to you or create your own, based on themes that you see or a mix of reads you think would complement each other. When I was making my ridiculously long TBR list with no idea of how I would tackle it, one of the new-to-me genres that stood out was magical realism. I grew up devouring high fantasy, the worlds of Narnia and Oz and Middle-earth, but as I've talked about in previous episodes, that love of intricate and epic fantasy worlds didn't come with me to adulthood. I've had to approach fantastical reads in a sideways fashion, almost tricking myself into reading anything other than stories grounded in a contemporary reality. Initially, I made a list of weird, fantastical reads that encompassed fantasy, magical realism, and science fiction, before realizing that was way too unwieldy a list to take on all at once. So for my year of fiction, I split out those TBR titles into three separate months. One of the first times I recognized magical realism and knew I wanted more of it in my reading life was while reading a short story collection by Neil Gaiman. But encountering magical realism in short stories and being able to focus on a book in this genre for the span of a novel, I found, are two very different things. For this month of reading, I started five different books and ended up reading two of them from beginning to end. I won't name the titles I didn't finish, but for for whatever reason, it was hard for me to stay focused when the reads felt too fantastical and nebulous. With one read in particular, I enjoyed the style at first, but put down the book after about 50 pages because I didn't have enough story to grab onto, if that makes sense. The characters were intriguing, but it felt as if they were floating through space and time. I couldn't figure out what was going on, or which characters to care about, or what would or should change in their lives to make it a story. I wasn't even sure what was real and what wasn't, and while I think that can be fine in a short story, I couldn't handle it for the length of an entire novel. The first read I'll talk about in this episode is The Particular Sadness of Lemon Cake by Amy Bender. Fair warning, this is one of those books, by which I mean there are no quotation marks around dialogue. 
For whatever reason, that author tick drives me crazy with most reads. Last year, I put down a very famous book without quotation marks in about two pages and haven't picked it up again. But in this strange, dreamy read that starts with a narrator on the eve of her ninth birthday, it somehow didn't bother me. My theory is that it's because in the beginning of the book, the stream of consciousness effect fits well with a child's voice narrating the story in big, simple strokes. And by the time you get to an older version of the protagonist, you're used to it. Rose is eating her mother's lemon cake with chocolate frosting when she tastes something terrible. What her mother is feeling. Discontentment, tumult, despair, emotions too complex for a child to be wrestling with. But Rose tastes them in the lemon cake. As she experiments further with her new gift slash curse, Rose realizes that she can taste where the elements in food came from and what the people who planted, harvested, baked, and cooked them were feeling. This ability shapes not only her eating habits, but also what relationships in her life she will never see the same way again. When you find the right read, there's an indefinable moment of both exciting newness and familiar recognition. I'm intrigued and I need to know more, coupled with, ah, I see myself in this book and it was meant for me. Even after almost a year of focusing on fiction, I'm still not sure what makes me pick up a novel and have that moment of, I need to keep reading this, but that's how I felt just a few pages into the particular sadness of Lemon Cake. I loved this weird little read with its gently unfolding character development and wistful observations about humanity, and I can't wait to read more from Benter. Both of the reads I got hooked on this month were pretty solidly grounded in reality. Believable, flawed people facing ordinary human problems, with one fantastical twist. After this month's reading experiment, I think I'm a lot closer to being able to pick up a book in this genre and know almost immediately if it's a read for me or not. My second read of Magical Realism Month was Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson. The premise is simple to explain. It's about children with the curious habit of spontaneously catching fire. Why the book was such a great, weird little read is harder to articulate. Before I read it, I was already wondering if and how this book would develop past its flashy premise. But just a few pages in, I was surprised to be hooked by the main character's wry, distinctive voice, despair yet lyrical prose, and a story setup that's intriguing even before any fire is introduced. This is a fast, rollicking read, and in a way I sped through it, yet I also found myself lingering over sentences and turns of phrase too delicious to be rushed. Lillian accepts a curious job offer from her former boarding school roommate despite or perhaps because of their conflicted history. She thinks being caretaker for two stepkids who happen to occasionally catch on fire won't be that hard until she meets Bessie and Roland for herself. The job is more than Lillian bargained for, not least because she learns to love these two strange, unwanted, sometimes fiery ten-year-olds in a way she never expected. This episode's reading inspiration is to cut yourself some slack with your reading goals while making sure you still make them in the first place. As I've said many times before, some reading is always better than no reading. If you're still showing up to read wherever you can, and if you're still excited about books and reading, even if you know you'll never conquer your TBR list, then congrats, you're a successful reader. 
In this year of fiction, I've been learning to follow my heart in my reading life and stick with the books that are calling to me and put down the ones that aren't. I set an ambitious reading goal for the year of trying to read 100 books, and that goal plus my fiction reading experiment meant that I finished a lot of books that I didn't love. I'm still glad I invested the time because I've learned so much about what I do and don't want in my reading life, but I'm ready for a new season of reading where I let myself be super choosy with the books I stick with. There are just too many great reads out there, and I don't want to waste any time pushing myself to read stories that aren't compelling me to keep going. Thanks for listening. The books mentioned in this episode were The Particular Sadness of Lemon Cake by Amy Bender and Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson. You can visit readinglikeanadult.com for the show notes. This episode was written, narrated, and produced by me, I'm Jordani Karma, and I'm glad you're joining me on this reading journey. In the next episode, we'll take a bit of a departure to explore one of my favorite classic writers for a theme I'm calling The Greats. I can't wait.